The Zooier Than Thou podcast contains mature content and language and may not be suitable for younger audiences. Thanks for your understanding. Zooier Than Thou is on. You can join the howl. Zooier Than Thou is on. You can join the howl. Uh, greetings, fellow zoos, and welcome to another edition of the podcast that is zooier than thou, regardless of whom thou art. I'm your host of the moment, Lovecat, filling in either for Fausty, who's got his hands full of being the saltiest old dog in Western PA, or for Toggle, who's currently lounging on a deck chair of a cruise ship in the Caribbean, being fed peeled grapes and fanned with palms from a bevy of chubby young studs. And I'm Kion, and completely capable of coming up with my own witty introductory dialogue, no doubt. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm Kion, with extra time off from feeding toggled grapes for good behavior, and I'm not chubby. I prefer dad bod. <laughs> you got a killer dad bod. Mm. And uh, Kion, this is the first time an episode of uh, Zooier Than Thou has been completely guest hosted, and I don't mind telling you I'm a bit nervous about it, so I'm glad to have your more experienced paws on the tiller here to help guide a steadier course. I- I'll just take my paw off your uh, tiller here. Uh, no worries. <laughs> I've been on walkies around the block a bunch of times. I'll show you the way. Much obliged, my cunning canine colleague, though you can keep your hand on this t- till we get where we're going as far as i'm concerned oh boy <laughs> I, i've been doing a lot of howling and traipsing about in the rain what's worse than feeding grapes is doing it in the rain he's <laughs> under the umbrella today through a spot of sun and don't, don't we have an email uh, indeed we do. Uh, this email comes from Aquarius, who writes, uh, Fausti, Toggle, and everyone else, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate the work you're doing. You've helped me to realize how important it is to have zoo culture, and how visibility hinders a zoo antagonists from controlling the representation of the stereotypical zoophile. I've also learned that the fear and suspicion of other zoos, such as that they're torturers, they'll betray their own kind, etc., was a tactic to keep like-minded individuals from forming interpersonal connections that are so desperately needed. With your podcast, you're reaching people who have never associated with zoo spaces before. Past drama and heartache seems more like a history lesson, and newcomers are welcomed with an optimistic outlook on what the future may hold. The road to acceptance won't be easy, but it's undeniably worthwhile, and I didn't necessarily feel that way before listening to you. So yes, thank you for your courage and your vision. You are doing great things. Welcome, Aquarius, and join our positivity. We don't forget there will ever be bumps on the way. Improvement is not absence, but it's going to be okay. It's very important to have a zoo voice that's willing to stand against the stool pigeons who are pointing out the fact that the betrayal exists. It's a bog-standard tactic of power to discourage the people from organizing in any useful way. But you can't let the stool pigeons keep you down. No offense to our friends with avian proclivities. Uh, Yeah, and a community is what its members make of it. And at some point, it's the responsibility of each to decide whether to give credence to paranoia and suspicion or to have faith in ourselves and each other. Uh, I think that Aquarius is right on that it is a worthwhile endeavor um, to form this community in that way. Uh, because at any rate, it's it's never going to be suspicion and paranoia that um, that create a community that anyone wants to live in. Safety is one thing, but uh, I think an open heart is really um, critical to uh, to making anything that's going to have any kind of lasting impact in in the lives of the of the people involved in it. 
which in our case is zoos. Totally. Couldn't tell about how uh, uh, many words I have to say in reply. How huh? um, channeling Fausty for sure. <laughs> so you're definitely the Fausty of this of this pair. I I, I get that for sure. Uh, woof, woof, woof. <laughs> but Aquarius, uh, he brings up here that um, that it is important to have zoo culture and that taking the visibility of uh, of what it is to be a zoo out of the hands of those whose only goal is to persecute us is one of the most important things that we are doing here. Um, and it is an honor to be a part of that. And always good to hear from the very people that are benefiting because we're trying to benefit them. Yes. Yeah. Send us emails. It's always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please. Thank you very much. And, um, and the hate emails are even funnier. <laughs> they, they are their world's funnier for sure. Um, and they they also help in their way to know that, uh, that we are going the right course because if those people are uh, casting hate upon us, um, it just means that we are doing the right thing after all. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, zoo culture is the topic of this episode, and um, Kion, you are very much more experienced with zoo culture than am I. Um, I'm personally nearing forty, but I was uh, out of uh, out of all zoo circles for most of the past um, about fifteen years or so. Um, and prior to that, it was pretty much just um, chatting online, which as we know, is a is a huge part of, of zoo culture um, because uh, before the advent of the internet, um, it was incredibly difficult for, for zoophiles to find each other. Uh, and I don't know if you, uh, if you have any experience pre-internet of finding other zoos. It's hard to think back that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not much. I was, I was just a little whippersnapper back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, pre-internet, I certainly spent time with the dog mm-hmm. um the first online places i got into the uh um b- bulletin board systems and this wasn't even just a zoo bullet board just a local bulletin board system mm-hmm. um people were doing hookups and talking about stuff chatting there already and i pretty sure i talked about that as it was a main topic of my young form forming mind of sexuality at the time mm-hmm. Um, but I, nothing like, I don't think I learned about any other zoos, although I may have spoken about that with other people. No one was, you know, had a problem with it that I recall. Um, certainly the next places I went were AOL's chat rooms where you had to keep that stuff on the super down low because they were well moderated. Um, and the, uh, uh, CompuServe CB simulator that was fairly well moderated but not quite that well (laughs) (laughs) and i simply don't remember the specifics i mean god that was so long ago Mm -hmm. um but uh certainly once i hit irc that was like 1993 yeah um that was my exclusive topic Mm -hmm. you know i was i was hanging out in pound dog sex i was talking with people about it all the time Mm -hmm. Uh, you probably remember me from those days. Yeah, we so. we actually had a, a brief chat very far back in the day. Um, I it, I think I had read a story of yours or a couple of stories, and I don't. Rem- oh, I had I had put in a whole website of stories up. Those I still have the text. Oh yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, they were they were they were they were pretty cool, man. And I was I was into creative writing at that age too. Um, though I think that we only chatted once and briefly. 
uh, but it, it was it was enough to uh, to to realize who you were actually when I when I heard you on the podcast. I was like, oh my god, it's, I know I, I sort of know that guy a little bit, tiny bit. Um, but uh, yeah, um, Pound Dog Sex was also. I'm supposed to be all anonymous while using this alternate name. And no, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the people who actually know you know you. I mean, I look yeah, you there's only a couple things, but um, they were pretty telling. Um, but Pound Dog Sex was also. Uh, um, my main um, means of connecting with other zoos uh, and that was um, I think I was on there a couple of years after I want to say like 96 to maybe 98 or 9 or so um, I, I met a couple of people through there didn't really connect with any of them um, but it, for me it, it wasn't until just uh, this past year that I've actually been meeting other zoos in real life and um do you think it makes a big difference to have met them in real life with that interaction it does for me it certainly does um because there's there's knowing that the person that you're talking to is a real person on on the other end of of this um you know chat window but it's a different knowing than you know having them there in person um and and seeing them and being able to you know interact uh, verbally and and have all the the rest of the um communicative apparatus in play it, it just makes it real in that way to me anyway um and uh for me that's like that's one of the things that's most interesting to me about the concept of, of community um that i'm kind of just now experiencing for the first time um i I don't know for yeah I, I kind of questioned how much zoo community there really was to be honest with you because uh before that it it was just people talking online for me um huh. now you know it's like i i've i've done things you know i've i've ooh things <laughs> things you know uh just use your imagination <laughs> now yeah, you know it, I, it probably I've, involves this tiller here <laughs> <laughs> not directly the, the tiller may have come into play uh, once or twice uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what I meant was, you know, I've I've uh, gone across the country. I've met Susan in other states. I've I've helped Susan need, um, you know, I've I've picked up a puppy from a bad situation and brought him to somebody who's uh, who's just totally in love with him now as a as a young uh, adult. Um, so those are the kinds of things that I'm thinking of um, when I think about community. You know, I'm I'm, I'm thinking of. Uh, ways that we well it's like yeah the care we give to each other right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it, it's uh it's it's care in a way that's not just words at this point you know it's actual actions that have made uh, major differences in people's lives yes i'm you know i'm wondering if they're you know how much if and if so how much community there there could have been before um electronic mediation of that uh well without that that uh, security where you can say something and if nobody and if they don't like you or they don't like what you say mm -hmm. you can basically disassociate from them without any you know running into them at the grocery store sure um, the fact that there are zoos that talk to each other before I remember hearing that there's zoos that uh, there was a zoo a pen pal circle mm. basically like a mailing list and they would they would write letters to each other wow I mean <laughs> 
that's that's pretty cool <laughs> that, that is incredibly cool that's the first that i've heard of that uh it, it just kind of dredges up out of my memory i don't where did i i'm pretty sure it was an old zoo who was telling me about it mm-hmm. uh that they were part of a a mailing a mailing list mm-hmm. and of course there's a lot of risk involved there i mean you're writing these things and you're mailing them they have your address yeah. you know but that is certainly a way of doing it before mm-hmm. the the internet there's always been cabals of 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 secret societies that uh <laughs> existed and i'm sure that there's been more than one iteration of zoo secret societies mm-hmm. that's interesting um, that's um you know with with the internet being so um such an important part of, of the modern zoo community it, it's also kind of blinding to things like that you know it's like well how, you know how would you do it if you didn't uh, if you didn't have this relatively well not even relatively but extremely especially nowadays easy uh, way of connecting with each other you know and uh, it hadn't uh, yeah. a, a pen palace hadn't even occurred to me you know it's like that's not really a thing people do so much anymore well no it's not the uh, the writing of a letter is uh, is a rare thing. Mm-hmm. We don't. It's so much faster online <laughs> and interactive, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, they don't know your address really. You know, it's yeah. uh, a lot of a lot of corners there. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're left with the traditional uh, secret society angles. You know, secret handshakes, secret symbols mm-hmm. um, that you know only the members know, like the Zeta, which is less. Uh, effective in that regard these days thanks to <laughs> people telling it's hard to keep secrets isn't it <laughs> well yeah i mean I, I think all secrets pretty much have to be temporary um yeah. it's, it's secret for now and <laughs> uh, well not so much anymore and now it's kind of widely known but um personally i still love the zeta um i still i still wear it with pride well hey that's that's great as long as it doesn't uh induce any particular problems mm-hmm. um there's always that fear that that the wrong person will recognize it and but i think it's important to remember that m- much of the threats are all psychological and not actual yeah to get back to uh, to culture um what was the uh the offline zoo community like in your experience when you got into it it was really just random people who hang out together um Mm -hmm. there's no i mean other than the fact that we were essentially this is the going to be like the cow zoo area um i mean we all lived in urban urban silicon valley area Mm -hmm. california we were almost all techies and geeks of some sort um but there are people of all sorts mechanics and and uh and outdoorsmen and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the real life was, oh, there's a cool person here. Um, my best friend is a zoo that I met in that era. Um, you meet cool people and you have that in common, which provides some bond. But of course, <laughs> you'll also meet a bunch of zoos where you're like, I have nothing in common with this guy other than the fact we both like like mm. non-humans mm. right <laughs> and, and there's a pretty lo- long distance between like you know cats and sure, horses. sure. <laughs> <laughs> i mean they're they're very alien to each other the, the branching of the mammalian mm. tree is quite wide uh, and then you meet people who are into like alligators and you're like what <laughs> i i don't i don't you know i can't comprehend what's going on there but you know we can hang out we can talk that's the way it works that's that's cool um but and offline zoo is mostly just been kicking around and hanging out Mm -hmm. it's uh 
Yeah, that's that's um, generally what it's been the in, in my experience so far too. You know, um, obviously a lot of zoo centric um, <laughs> uh, conversations, but um, you know, for the for the most part, um, I mean, it's like Jesus. You know, we're just we're just people, and we do normal people things for the most part. We eat barbecue and everything. Well. Some of- some some of us don't though. They're they're uh, like vegans or something. Yeah. I'll eat I'll eat some barbecue vegetables maybe. <laughs> uh, I got I got them on a shish kebab here for you. I've made some pretty good uh, sweet potato fries on the grill before. Hmm. I'll make up some of those tacos as well. Sweet potato tacos, my favorite. Hell yeah, they're they're, they're dank. <laughs> I should make some of those. I always wanted to to bread the uh, the, the sweet potatoes too to make them more like a like a fish taco style. Uh, haven't gotten around to it yet, but that's sound. Now that I'm thinking about it, damn, I'm gonna make that happen. Well, uh, food, yes. See, we're people or mammals. We eat food. That's important. <laughs> so we eat, we used to meet for breakfast. So you further confusion was just going on, mm-hmm. and uh, further confusion is where I went to the zoo breakfast. You know that was a big thing way back. Mm. I mean, hell, I suppose that happened in conf- conference days too. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> there's there's that and you know i lived nearby so it was convenient yeah, I, li- I lived uh, uh quasi close but I, I didn't have a license yeah. at the time and um i remember being told about the z breakfasts and, and wanting so much to go to one of those and just didn't have the means to get there at the time uh don't know if they're still going on but uh if they're not going on that sounds like a thing to be revived in my opinion and certainly there's the usual uh to <laughs> The risk of, of both advertising it and not advertising it. Because if it's happening, it's probably on the down low and I'm not informed because I'm mm-hmm, not nearby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you old catch-22s, yes. That's why, that's why you got to know somebody who's on the inside so you can always <laughs> send them a note and say, Hey man, I, I'll be your dog on the inside. <laughs> well, when I organize one, you will absolutely be invited, my friend. Uh, excellent. 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 Anything else you can think of? Think of? I got a whole book of limericks. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> this, this might just be the, uh, the uh, zoo or even now limerick hour then. Uh, hour? Oh, geez. Oh. <laughs> well, hey, hey, hey. You were the one bragging. Uh, well, I, it's all thanks to, to Mr. Uh, Actaeon. Why am I forgetting? Actaeon. Yeah. Mr. Actaeon, who's got this lovely book mm. of limericks. Mm-hmm. Which um, I, I thought it was great to find out when you when you mentioned that there there was an actual printed book because I remember seeing some of his limericks I think just like on his website or something back in the day, <laughs> which is another thing that doesn't uh, exist anymore is you know uh, personal zoo websites which I kind of miss now. Well, yeah, I suppose that I my web my website's not nearly as zoo as it used to be because uh, there was the time I got fired for my website right. And- I recall. (laughs) And there's this general idea that putting your resume and your zoo stories on the same site can be noticed by people. Although I'm pretty damn impressed if you bother to read that far. Yeah, that honestly doesn't seem like the kind of effort that a lot of people would go to anymore. Maybe back in the day, but... Yeah, it's kind of so, hard to see an employer. So, so I spent. It's like I spent several hours reading the stories on your website. It's like I'm flattered. <laughs> Why? 
<laughs> I just had to make sure that I was really offended yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to know my life story? I lay it on out yeah, there for dude. you. Mm-hmm. But um, you are pretty open, man. Um, you're, you're definitely one of the the more the more open zoos that I've um, you know met or heard of. Well, I talk a good game. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm. I mean, it's like I'm as a consultant professional. You know, there's kind of knowing what you can say or what you can't i guess mm. judgment judgment calls i don't know so you're kind of playing it in that way that i guess um it, i mean i i've picked up that there there are certain things you can kind of get away with if you i don't know present them in, in certain ways or if you um just don't say them explicitly or or you know like kind of use other factors to i don't know uh get a get I'm a thinking pass. of like when did i when did I uh, tell like coworkers? Um, and it's almost always been if they like explicitly ask or there's a conversation about it, but it's never at work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're giving me a ride somewhere and they literally ask. It's like, I know they're asking because they already know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you don't hint and beat around the bush in that direction if you don't already know or I haven't heard a rumor from somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, Nobody seems to have a problem with it, but it's uh, interesting. I think that there's that the rumor gets around, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I've, I've honestly, you know, I've, I've shied away from. Uh, I, I I don't really have dealings with my coworkers outside of the work environment, um, or at least I haven't in quite a number of years. And the, the last time I did was actually when I was working at a uh, at an animal hospital. So that probably wouldn't have been the person that I would have uh, yeah, <laughs> mentioned you, it to anyway. You know. <laughs> You don't want them to get excited. Uh, um, you don't want to say that to the wrong coworker at uh, <laughs> Animal Hospital. Uh, yeah. And I think <laughs> and all would... the right ones are going to be paranoid as hell about it. Right, as well. right. <laughs> Although I, I was actually in, uh, I, I was deep in denial when I, while I was working there. That was, uh, I guess, part of how I was able to work there without any issues. You know, I was. Um, trying to pretend to myself that uh, that I that was just a phase that I'd gone through and you know wasn't valid or or you know uh, or anything anymore and yeah it's like how many zoos um have a proclivity to seek jobs at places like animal shelters and mm. animal control and all of those places sure yeah <laughs> more than the people who are have a problem with it would like to think <laughs> yeah yeah you know interestingly that reminds me of uh, an anecdote that uh, the wolf j lupus mentioned to me um he said that he had uh he'd met somebody in the army i think that he'd he, he was just out in the army at all so and, and this guy had uh he, he wasn't a zoo but he had another i think he i think he was uh, a map actually uh, if i recall correctly but they, you know, they talked about it, and uh, and Wolf had told him that you know a lot of zoos will get jobs and you know animal related jobs for obvious reasons and a lot more than the guy thought and you know the guy didn't believe whatever uh, amount you know he he mentioned to him and they went to some uh, pet store you know and and ended up talking to one of the girls who admitted to them that uh, that she was a zoo and and the guy was just like flabbergasted <laughs> by it. You know, and it's like, oh my God, it's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. Obviously, you know, animal attracted people or this is what we want to be around. You know, what, what, do you, what do you do for a job? I'm a night watchman at the kennel. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Make sure that uh, nobody else gets in here. That's yep. my job. Nobody <laughs> else. <laughs> I'm a uh, security professional, you might say. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you very much, Kion, for being here and uh, meandering on through uh, memory lane with me. Sure, no problem. <laughs> and uh, I guess tiller has, <laughs> I have steered you true with this tiller here. <laughs> My tiller is quite satisfied at this point. Uh, very, mm-hmm. very happy with the, the course chosen. <laughs> All righty, we'll be back in just a few more moments with more Zooier Than Thou. This week's podcast is sponsored by Doodle Donkey's Delightfully Dainty Donkey Dancers for the zoo who needs a little more D's in their day. And also by Nut Milk. Mmm, I love Nut Milk. And finally, by Good Memories of Good Times with Good Friends. Thanks for everything. We'll never forget it. We caught up with Lear former Prince of Hadsgate, whom had up and disappeared shortly after the destruction of his father's castle many years prior. Rumors have persisted for years that the errant heir had eloped with a mysterious lady of noble birth who'd arrived at the castle shortly before the fall of both it and its ruler. One such rumor has led us here, to a woodland rich with unspoiled life, where no snow falls nor hunter dwells. Canopies of old-growth trees cast an emerald twilight over all my crew and I see, and even the wildlife seem to have an almost magical quality when they bless us with a fleeting glance. After some time wandering the forest path, the figure of a man wearing a sweater of hemp and sandals upon his feet emerges in front of our group, silently and without pretense from the underbrush, flashing us a wide, relaxed smile as he approaches us. His blonde hair, now shocked with white, has grown long, but there was no mistake in this for anyone but the former prince we'd been searching for. You dudes lost? Despite his somewhat disheveled appearance and relaxed demeanor, he carries himself with much the same mystical gravitas that my crew and I had noticed in the local animals, a scent like a freshly cleaned barn wasped from him with the breeze, mingled with a hint of burning pine needles and skunk. Uh, no, in fact, we've come searching for Prince Lear. Am I mistaken in assuming that to be you, my lord? Oh, yeah. Oh, nobody really calls me that anymore. I'm not really a prince of anything, so, uh, not a my lord or, uh, Prince Lear of Hagsgate, um... And nowadays, I'm just some dude. You can just call me Lear. I'm not really into the old brevity thing. No, right? So, Lear, has it just been you all these long years alone in this forest? Uh, just me and my lady friend. Oh, well, we'd love to meet your special lady as well. She's not my special lady. She's my fucking lady friend. Oh, no offense intended. Yeah, none taken, man. We're... Pretty casual. Lear seemed to be in no great hurry as he finished smoking his hand-rolled cigarette and deposited the butt into a small handmade pouch, then gazed around, apparently admiring the foliage. So... Yeah, right, right, gotcha. Hey, uh... 
Here, let me introduce you guys. Lear disappeared back into the verdant woodlands for a moment before returning to the trail, accompanied by what appeared to be an absolutely stunning white horse with an unusual pink star on their forehead, being held up by the daintiest of legs, whose unearthly coat sheened with such intensity and the shafts of daylight breaking through the old-growth canopy that it dazzled the eyes. Lear and his ethereal equine companion showed an obvious familiarity with one another as they approached us. The mare led us back to the bank of a nearby brook, where we sat on conveniently sized rocks covered in thick cushions of spongy moss, surrounded by the subdued babble of water and the chirps of many contented birds and the eternally peaceful gloaming of her enchanted forest. Oh, it's wonderful to sit down with you and your mare. A mare? Is that what you take me for? Is that what you see? Whoa, whoa, hey now, that's that's not the proper nomenclature, man. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm deeply sorry. It was not my intent to offend. How would you prefer I address you? Unicorn. Ah, your, uh, gender is unicorn? That is of no matter, although you may address me as she. However, it is my name. Also my species and occupation. Unicorn? Yes. My, hey, look, don't feel too bad, man. It's just... Hey, you mind if I spark up a J? Uh, n- <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just only... Certain few can see a unicorn for <coughs> who they truly are. See, she has a horn, man, but only people who can already see her inner beauty can see it. Ah, uh, I see. Sort of. To be honest, her goat hooves and lion's tail should have tipped me off. Horn or no horn. It's all good. So, if you wouldn't mind, could you tell us the story of how you two met? Would you? Oh, please, you first. Well, there's something special about Unicorn from the moment I met her. Actually, she was going by Amalthea at the time. When she showed up, it was pretty wild because, as you may have guessed, there weren't a whole lot of chicks hanging out around old Castle Hagsgate. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine there were. That must have been frustrating for an only child growing up in an almost deserted castle in a bleak and blasted land. Potential relationship pickings must have been pretty slim. Yeah, well, what was the issue the old man addressed by sending me out on all kinds of weird quests when I hit puberty? Which I thought was just him trying to get me out of his hair for a bit. You know, you don't always tell me to take protection with me. And I was like... Yeah, Pops, don't worry. I got my helmet and shield and all that shit. And he was like, no, no, that's not what I mean, man. And so we had the whole birds and bees talk, and he turned me loose. And I, you know, amongst all the daring deeds and quests and whatnot, I got to know any number of damsels, a lot of them in distress. Well, some of them were all right. If I'm going to be real with you, just always felt like there was something missing, you know? Maybe. Well, for me, there was. I could never quite figure out what it was. 
So I just kept on keeping on. And then she shows up, and there's just, I don't know, that thing, man, that missing thing. There was just something different about her. Something more than human. I didn't realize at the time she was a unicorn. Well, that came out later. But I was already in love with her heart and soul by then, so, you know. Whoa, you, you seriously had no idea? Uh, it's not the kind of thing that leaps right to the explanatory forefront, you know. It's like, maybe she's a unicorn and got turned into a girl. Uh, it's not a really intuitive conclusion to reach right off the bat. Were you surprised to find out that the woman you were wooing was in actuality a magical immortal beast? Yeah, nothing you could tell me about her would surprise or frighten me. That's pretty open-minded. I love whom I love, man. Yes, but when it turned out she's a different species than you... I love whom I love. Oh, what I mean is that there's such a strong trend of social disapproval for such relationships... A lot of people who think that such relationships are, if you'll excuse me, wrong. Yeah, well, you know, that's just, like, your opinion, man. Well, fair enough. So, would you say it's the same for you, uh, Lady Unicorn? Unicorn will do. Right, of course. Uh, please continue. Well, as you can imagine, I'd been going through quite a few changes at the time. Not all of them as obvious as being turned into a woman, mind you. There I was, trapped in this fragile body, facing the ennui of mortality for the first time in my otherwise timeless life. My memories and personality slipping away? Not exactly the ideal atmosphere for love to blossom, I take it. Oh, well, I mean, there was one bright light in those dark times. Lear could see me for who I truly was, even then. Before all that, I'd come across others who knew who and what I was. But none had been so straightforward with their feelings as my Lear. Ah, uh, yeah. Poor Schmendrick and Molly were so head over heels for you. They followed you on your quest like a couple of lovesick puppies. Oh, Schmendrick. Once he'd laid his hand on my flank to catch himself after slipping on a rock, and the poor man couldn't look me in the eye for two days. He was still hoping for a wink, though. Dear. <laughs> Tad's a good dude. But we shouldn't judge either of them too harshly. After all, they too could see my horn and my nature, and thought me beautiful to the point of grief. What they did, they did out of love. Even the Red Bull did what he did out of love. Love for a man so twisted by his own melancholy that he could not return it. So the Bull served him, and the great immortal beast did what was asked of him without question. At least in some grim way, they are together now beneath the waves, I suppose. Mommy Fortuna and Haggard could both see my true nature but both had let bitterness and selfishness into their heart. Fortuna exploiting beasts and immortals alike for fame and profit, whereas Haggard selfishly hoarded and imprisoned for his own shallow pleasure. Now, Lear, when you met Unicorn, I recall you being very concerned with chivalry, going on quests and fighting dragons, that sort of thing? Yeah, it was a phase I was in at the time. You know, the old man was always so into his tight-ass king trip, and as if there's... Anything worth being king over there, man. Yeah, I was pretty square not having anybody around teach me different. And I thought the way you win girls was by 
murdering dragons, you know. Jesus, man, I had my head so far up my own ass, I can't even believe it. Came to her with the dragon's head, I cut off things she dig it, man, you know, but it's hard to believe she even let me live that one down, you know. It's made date nights with the other mortal couples a bit awkward, to say the least. But, yeah, so I... Yeah, I had my little so-called straight and narrow phase, and you know, it's, and who knows where I'd be if the old man hadn't died right when he did. And I, I hate to put it that way, but it's true. You know, the guy was just a domineering stick in the mud and a cold-hearted jerk. Yeah, no offense, but the late king sounds like a fucking fascist. Sure, man, if that helps you. Yeah, so I fell in love with Unicorn and... Well, she's changed a lot, too, you know. I mean, sh- shit, it took me forever to stop calling her Amalthea. And, well, that's what her wizard friend Schmendrick called her. And I think it was his great-aunt's name. He said once I, she used to watch him when he was little, and his mom was in her cups, which I surmise was kind of often. Niece. And you're starting to overshare, my dear. All right, sorry, man. This strain makes me chatty, you know. Anyways, the rest of the story is as old as time. You know, I watched the love of my life turn back into a unicorn and die protecting her from an immortal fire aurochs and for being brought back to life with unicorn magic. As one does. I left shortly afterwards. My forest had been without me for too long. It was not easy, for my heart was filled with regret for not staying by Lair's side. Unicorns do not feel regret, at least not until one of us had fallen for a mortal man, that is. Besides, I'd foolishly believed that my Lair could not return my love for him now that I'd been restored to my true body. My lady, if you only understood how... Beautiful you are to me. You would have known better. Oh, you. After all that, I didn't really have a lot, a whole lot keeping me in Hagsgate. So, I went looking for the one whom I loved. It took me a little while. Sold what possessions I had. Lived out of my carriage. It was all worth it in the end. I found Unicorn's Forest and she let me move in that very same day. And what a forest it is. I don't think I've ever seen a woodland so unblemished. Of course. This is a unicorn's forest after all. All life within a unicorn's realm is under that unicorn's personal protection and stewardship, becoming enriched by our unique magics. And in turn, our forest gives us our strength. Well, it certainly shows. How's the enchanted forest life suited you, Lear? Yeah, I mean, you know, being one of her, like, you know, creatures of the woods, you know, it's like... Got his benefits. So what have the two of you been up to since the incident at Hagsgate? Any plans for the future? Got this one, babe. After what had happened to my people, what with the Red Bull and the ocean and all, some of us unicorns felt it was time we ended our long-standing tradition of isolation. It kept us separated from both each other and the rest of the world. If it hadn't been for the aid of human beings such as Lear, Schmendrick, Molly Grew, and others like them, those whose hearts can see the true beauty of a unicorn, it's possible we would all have wound up under the waves forever. Nowadays, we unicorns have begun to form a new community, along with our allies among men and immortals alike, stretching across the globe. One that allows us to better protect the ever-shrinking wild places of our Earth as well as each other. 
Our isolation, our lack of a strong community, was what made it that much easier for the Red Bull to round us unicorns up with such ease, but no more. Never again will my people be picked off one by one. Never again will we be herded and isolated. With the help of friends, loves, and allies we've made along the way, there are unicorns in the world once again. And together, we can work to assure that we, and the wilderness we protect, endure forever. <laughs> right on. Right on. Yeah, as for me, well, no, I... I feel like, you know, I found where I just, you know, fit, you know. I'm just living out my mortal days and relaxing away the afternoons with Unicorn anytime she's not out fighting the good fight. And, hey, I've got a killer grow up in a meadow. She's set outside for me and where I cultivate my own custom strains. Oh, hell, you guys gotta try some of my crops before you go. Schmendrick loves tri-nipple harpy and double-D willow. Man, if you prefer indica, I've got nugs of frosted donuts and more trichromes and green. My personal favorite, unicorns wink. Oh, dear. fellow zoos welcome back we are here with our good friend steve hey fellas hi steve (laughs) we're also here with love cat and doodle who are going to be uh also assisting with our conversation today um but uh in the interest of zoo history it's really interesting because steve has basically forest gumped his way through every major historical zoo event over the past two decades give or take it's true. <laughs> it was dumb luck. Um, <laughs> so, and needless to say, Steve has a plethora of really interesting stories, and we will probably have you back to talk about more of them in the future. Uh, but we do want to uh, just give you some time to share some stories and just kind of shoot the shit and have a good conversation. Okay, sounds great. But before we get into that, I want, because mm-hmm. this is basically Lovecat's baby here, and mm-hmm. he had the idea to do this. And Lovecat, would you catch our listeners up to speed on what it is that you wanted to do here and why? What I wanted to do with this was to um, sort of talk about where zoos uh, in general have been over the past uh, generation or so. Um, you know, publicly, I, I think that a, a lot of people seem to uh, think that we just kind of sprang out of nothing. Um, right. Especially mm. when we're uh, dealing with people on Twitter, you know, it's like they, they think that we didn't exist until they found out about us. Sure. Um, we, right. of course, know that zoos are as old as humanity. Um, and that we who are alive now um, have come from a, uh, a culture that has, um, that has real roots out here in the real world. Hmm. And so basically, I would just like to uh, paint a picture of what that culture is and give especially uh, younger zoos, um, uh, and I'm thinking of younger zoos as those who are uh, younger than me, you know, um, just coming of age right about now in this uh, yeah yeah. who who maybe don't 
themselves have any idea of who zoos are beyond um, what they've encountered so far online. Right. And uh, so somebody like Steve, who has been present for certain um, major events uh, dealing with zoos in, uh, you know, not just amongst zoos, but also in in wider society, um, I think... uh, is in a great position to help paint that picture in yes. a way that uh, that makes us uh, understand that we really do have a community here. Right. Um, you know, we're actually really point. fortunate here at Zuria than now that we have a number of voices who can help paint that picture. But mm-hmm. I think uh, among those voices, um, Steve's is is one that's really interesting just because of how. How you've just kind of like wandered into all these these uh, uh, major events and situations, just being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was due to no um, ability of mine. I just happened to be in my early twenties and not really tethered to anything in particular. And while I can't speak all <laughs> the way back to eight thousand BCE from the cave paintings and Val Camonica. Um, featuring <laughs> this guy with a huge <laughs> erection fucking an elk or what I wasn't there for that but uh, <laughs> but I was there for the beginning and onwards of uh, zoos on the internet which is not to me that's not that long ago I mean right uh, it's in your lifetime yeah but I mean, for a lot of people like it's not like there are people who have only been people who have don't know what the world trade center was right yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, people who have who are like, what is Star Fox sixty four? <laughs> so like, well, okay. Now I'm really gonna date my myself here. Not quite back to eight thousand BCE with you know cave paintings from Valcamonica, <laughs> but okay. I I did learn to touch type on an actual typewriter <laughs> with paper. Nice. In it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I always thought end, those were really cool when I was little. Yeah, when you, when you got to the end of the line, it would ring a bell physically. <laughs> and then you have to push it. And then you had to go back or you would type off the edge of the paper and you had to start yeah. over. Uh-huh. That was a real yep. thing. That was in <laughs> high school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Is you're, only, you're only like 12 years older than me, too. Yeah. And for that big of a difference, it's so funny. I might have just um, had a shitty high school. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're you're only you're only four years older than me, but I did learn to touch type on a on a computer keyboard. Although there were computers that nowadays, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what it, it might run a watch or something. Yeah, doodle, geez, you are right? doodle, You're the youngest one here, is that right? Yeah, you sprout. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, it's not a bad thing that you're young. I'm I'm just saying, like, what, what was it? What was your? Did you ever learn? To, I didn't even learn to type. We weren't taught to type in my school. So wow. I was kind of the weirdo. We did have a, a touch type class, but I refused to use the computers and I brought a typewriter. Oh my Jeez. fucking god, that's fucking <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, dude, I knew I loved you for oh, a reason, dude. dude. <laughs> yeah, and then instead of having sex with women, I had sex with horses. Take that. <laughs> Stick it to the man. Fuck yeah, them take all. that, society. <laughs> take that. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone else was doing the typewriters too. It wasn't just me um, because we had no computers because it was I just, a long I just time ago. I just want to stop for a second to think of Doodle, the donkey, the 
the beast of burden, lugging a typewriter to school every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, I used to lug a lot more than just typewriters to school. Oh, Oh, dear. That was the the class weirdo. Oh, my my goodness. I can only imagine. Yeah, okay, so... so it wasn't until like, okay, 1991 that several different protocols merge and Tim Berners-Lee writes what would become the World Wide Web and it goes live and there's hardly anything on it. And prior to then, we had these things called BBSs, bulletin board systems. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And you had monochrome monitors and you had any color you wanted as long as it was green or orange. and you would have to dial directly on a phone line on a long distance phone line that was owned by one big phone company (laughs) you had to dial on a phone and nobody else could use the phone if they picked it up it would screw up your connection right and Mm -hmm. you had had to dial directly to another computer that other people were dialing to and if they had enough phone lines then you could all get on there and you could text together and that was the beginning of how I met other zoos it was on television Telnet chats. Yeah. So you so were telnet, already there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Telnet protocol still exists. It's just almost never used. And there there are some clients that enable you to access it as if it is 1993 again. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. But that's the first time I ever chatted with other zoos. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was on Sleepy's Multiple World Talker and yep. also Lintilla's Forest. Yep. Both of those have been mentioned on our show before. Right. Uh, Appaloosa was on Lentillas. Yep. Oh yeah. No, I remember. I remember. So you remember Appaloosa? So, we uh, we uh, I just finished editing an uh, an interview with Appaloosa just now. Oh, it's dope. Yeah. It's so cool, man. It's it's amazing how much of these uh, how many of these old zoos are still around. Yeah. From those days. Um, Heartening as well. So yeah, uh, that was where. If you want to pick up the thread of how I forced got my way through internet zoo history, um, that's the best place to start. Was uh, I the got beginning one of, the... of zoo history? No, well, <laughs> the beginning it was of funny modern because... zoo history. Yeah. Okay, because like Windows ninety three comes out. Oh my god! Right. I didn't even, I've then... never even heard of Windows ninety three. <laughs> yeah, and then two years later they have Windows ninety five, and everyone yeah. had to buy that. Right. It's a little everyone thing. Everyone has that. Yeah. Yeah, so now they're like, I ain't buying another Windows ever. I had seven. It's good enough, right? And they're just like, fuck you, Windows. It's great. But anyway, so Windows 93, the first multimedia PCs, were, and people thought they were crazy for like bolting speakers onto a CRT. They're like, no one will ever listen to music on a computer. It was just, it was so far <laughs> removed from now where wow. every cell phone is a television studio. Right. But but that, that time existed. And so, um, but we weren't using any multimedia stuff. Um Except for like early zoo porn or whatever. Mostly we were just texting. So tell me about zoo porn. How is that shared over Telnet? <laughs> it um, it was ASCII art. <laughs> it oh really my was. God. Wow. <laughs> you could spam. You could spam a chat room. There were these scripts Jeez. that would translate a you know an early bitmap. And and those bitmaps were scans of magazines from Europe that were terrible and they didn't feature any zoos. Um, yeah, it was mm. it was slim pickings, folks. Mm. <laughs> you poor guy. And then you, you just kind of squint to ASCII art. Oh, and then, <laughs> and then all of your imagine, 
if all of your animal porn was monochromatic and it was either orange or green. So oh my god. You could get green animal pussy made of X's and dots or, <laughs> or you could get orange. I, I was more man, of an orange guy. High quality realism right there. Yeah, I, was, I was more of an orange man myself. Oh my god. I love it. <laughs> so yeah and then of course you know your mom would try to pick up the phone to like you know call it for a pizza or something right. and then it would cut your phone line uh and then oh and there were long distance bills and so your mom would be oh. like who are you calling with a computer in new jersey mm-hmm. <laughs> oh right see that's the thing that you guys uh many people don't remember even i barely remember it because by the time cell phones came out they kind of had figured this out or by the time cell phones became used ubiquitously they kind of figure this out uh there was a point where you couldn't call another state without paying outrageous fees sometimes right. you can even call like like another states city have, yeah another city without Better outrageous get, yeah. fees yep and yeah. so what you had to do eventually uh with aol coming into the frame uh there were enough servers that you would find a server that was close to you uh and dial into that I don't know if it's called a server. Uh, it's whatever well, phone yeah, number it was. was. It was, uh-huh. it was sure a phone it was. number. Okay. They had a local number and you'd call that and then you were connected to the World Wide Web through your modem. Right. But the early modems, you had to actually take a phone off the wall and set it down on a microphone oh and my speaker. God. Uh-huh. <laughs> and That's it fantastic. And it was so slow. Like even text would take a while to go through. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. Can you? I literally can't imagine text taking forever to go through. Oh, like, it, was, it was rough. Mm-hmm. It was rough. Yeah. I think so, by the time I was in there, it's fifty-six k. No, this was oh, this was in the fourteen four days and even earlier. Twenty-four hundred oh baud modem. And I, I suppose for any reference for um, any of the listeners who aren't from that era, understand what that uh, that phone coupling was. Go watch the movie War Games. Yes. That includes <laughs> that coupling. Right, and that was really that was our lives for the earliest zoos. That was our our very thin tin can on a string lifeline to the other zoos who had never been accessible ever, ever, ever before. Right. So we get on these telnet chats mm. and they are our life. We spend a lot of time on those. And this is the early to mid 1990s mm-hmm. to late 1990s. It takes a while for the zoos on the World Wide Web to even exist. And uh, there's IRC. So there's chats right. there. Because yep. one of the programmers created um, IRC dog sex is like a joke, but then we populated it because it wasn't a joke to us. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. And then they said, yep. oh shit, what have we done? I am Shiva Destroyer of Worlds. I remember uh, IRC was kind of like, there are still people, furries still use IRC, by the way. Uh, no I don't know. Way. Yeah, dude. When I was oh, like shit. 16, and this is, I've already got high speed internet at this point, like, 16 i got on to furnet yes uh, i didn't really like answer chat as much i got on to furnet right. okay. and there's a whole bunch of people that are still just hanging out there and i think <laughs> i think irc will be there after the internet is gone yeah, like, yeah after the heat of those... death of the universe <laughs> <laughs> it's so like it's just a really simple way of communicating i guess um, so yeah, now we have I, I, Telegram, and it seems so so easy and intuitive. But yeah, before that, sure, IRC. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I remember even, it being you, kind of a hassle to to, to get onto IRC too. Like yeah, you, but I'm talking like about like the protocols. Cool. The protocols there to do it are real simple. Right. You don't need a lot to to make it happen. Right. Uh-huh. So without getting too technical, um, it's not long that I'm you know that I'm on Telnet 
talkers, mm-hmm. uh, especially um, Lentilla, that, mm-hmm. you know, we start asking like, hey, where are y'all from? Roll call. Uh, and everybody chimes in and it turns out that there's a zoo not too far from me. And mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I don't know if you want to bleep out names. This guy, I think he only used that for zoo stuff. Um, but the guy that I met was mm-hmm. and he was in Oklahoma and I mm-hmm. was uh, in Texas right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um he says hey i'm on my way to i've never met another zoo before i'm thinking of going to this gathering at hasi's place and hasi of course he's passed away now but um he was his real name was george willard mm-hmm. and uh his pen name was mark matthews and he wrote probably the first like big splash got a lot of press ended up on tv kind of um zoo book and it was his firsthand mm-hmm. experience of having a lot of difficulty coming out to his family almost killing himself having drug problems etc cetera, etc cetera. Right. it's yeah. called the horseman with a space in the middle not horseman one word he was very adamant it's horse space man but by <laughs> mark matthews aka hasi aka actually george willard who lived in um Missouri. Mm-hmm. Right. So says, Hey, I'm going to this thing. Do you want to go? And I say, sure. Fine. I'm 20. Let's go. Or maybe 19 at that point. Jeez. So <laughs> <laughs> just full of bad ideas. So I meet up with this guy. He's super nice. Um, and, uh, you know, we're not serial killers. We are both the first two that is that either of us is knowingly met in person. So we're like, okay, this is fucking weird, you know. <laughs> in our minds, this is the first time this has ever happened, like in the history of Earth. So, <laughs> even though we're on our way to the zoo gathering full of people who all know each other and whatever, so we go out there, and this is um, before the Springer thing even was hatched, right? So we go. Right, we so go, uh, I think I don't even think that show exists anymore. Uh, so there is full reference. Uh, a unaired Jerry Spring episode about zoo files. So that's what he's referring to. Yes. And mm-hmm. it was called I Married a Horse. And if you Google it, you can find the episode in its entirety. It was the only episode that Jerry Springer um, voluntarily pulled from syndication under threat of duress from the networks. They said, if you don't pull it, we're going to pull it. So you need to that, but that was the thing that crossed the line of all the trashy shit. Jerry Springer, (laughs) we're the only one that that's ever happened to, and they pulled it. And we didn't even have like an antagonist on that show. It was just us talking about our lives, you know. Right. Too humanizing, I imagine. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was just it was they weren't ready for that yet. (laughs) So now there now there have been a bunch of excellent shows that that are that format where we just kind of tell our stories about our lives and they've been great. There's one especially on um, British TV, on Channel 4, Optimum TV, mm-hmm. where they did a special about us. And Hasi was on one of those. But um, This is before all that, though. Yeah, this is way before that. So he had written his book. He was kind of a minor celebrity amongst zoos, and he was kind of getting his name out there or whatever. But this is before Springer. So we go to Missouri. It's a long drive. Yeah, it is drove us in his truck and uh we go there and there are a bunch of zoos there and we are out in the country and uh it's hasi and he he's out there with his horse pixel and he's got this um the single wide mobile home that it was just it looked like it had survived a trip to hell 
<laughs> and it, and it had a ramp. Like he had just he had been like, well, you know, I married my horse, which of course then became the episode of the Springer episode. Um, <laughs> but he's like, I married my horse, so she needs to be able to get in the trailer. So he just like um, built a ramp up to like the back door of his trailer that his his <laughs> pony could go in. You had a Shetland pony named Pixel. Oh my gosh. That's yeah, awesome. and she would just come in the house and like do horse things, you know, like just poop on the floor <laughs> or whatever. Oh my god, no. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah, so it was an indoor outdoor horse. Wow. Yeah, just I mean that works better. Most people would probably do that with like a dog or like a house cat, but he was doing it with a Shetland pony. <laughs> I'd be doing that too. <laughs> and okay, the thing you got to know about Hasi, and I've heard various rumors, whatever, but when I actually spoke to the man and talked to him about it, um, he said that the reason, because he died of hepatitis, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Which is a bad, it's a bad way to go. Um, yeah. What he said was that he contracted it because it's real contagious. Um, right. Yeah, it is. But, it's incredibly contagious. Right. So he says that he got a homemade uh, infected tattoo of a topless female centaur on his chest. And I saw that tattoo, but he says that's right. where he contracted hepatitis, which is totally, that's actually actually legit. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the many ways that you can get that. But, you know, sharing needles, whatever. I've heard various rumors about whatever. But that's what he told me happened. And mm-hmm. uh, his eyes were yellow, and he was—he def- definitely died of hepatitis. So he wasn't making that up. He—I mean, he died. <laughs> you know, I'm wow. sorry, man. It's, his I'm not eyes were yellow. Yikes! Yeah, when your liver so fails, straight jaundice. Yeah, it super kills you. So um, wait, he didn't so have any kind of. When you say he's jaundice, do you mean he's jaundice when you met him? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. that was that was the first and only time I saw him alive. Holy smokes. So he was he was in a bad way, and uh, he was pretty sick, and he was is weak, and uh, so like to go to the bathroom, he just he was sitting in a recliner where he just lived out the rest of his days basically, and he would like poop in a bucket, and um, his horse would come in, he wasn't able to really care for. Fortunately, he had some other zoos living on the property that were more or less Good. able to like help him out. Good. So that's that's kind of nice. To, I hope that's not my contingency plan today, but you know, like. <laughs> You know, right. if worse comes to worse, I would hope that somebody would step up and like wipe my ass for me if I needed it. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yo, that's a call to I, all you you young zoos. Like, if my butt gets <laughs> gets crusty and I'm that fucking old, <laughs> step it up, man. <laughs> you know, honestly, I gotta be honest. Like, I feel like zoos do have a, a network if they're willing to be a part of the community uh, for that, and I think you know. It, it's kind of a, a scary thing even for gay people who don't have children for instance like yes. zoos if you're a zoo exclusive I, I, I think who takes care of your partner if something happens to you right. yeah exactly. hopefully like, one of y'all right so um, this is another reason to stay connected is so that our mm-hmm. partners uh, have some sort of recourse when we are too weak to do something about it that is a really um, good point that's a super mm-hmm. good point because um, another zoo ended up with Pixel because you know horses live a long ass time, dude. So <laughs> they do. Yeah, Hasi died and Pixel was still alive. I think Hossie, I think Pixel might still be alive. I don't know. It is Pixel. Hey, Pixel, if you're out there, <laughs> right in, right into the show. <laughs> <laughs> right in. Oh my God, Pixel, please write into our show. Pixel, right in. <laughs> Secret Zoo. Um, so yeah, while while uh, they were both there and we were at this gathering, um, there was a bunch of zoos that ended up. They were already like probably in their thirties or so, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like the baby, 
like the new there's yep. maybe one guy there younger than me and we ended up hooking up at that gathering on a dirty uh, dirty couch oh <laughs> oh my <laughs> i'm not naming this person but he was a real Ooh, cutie he was oh a cutie boy. and then his town was completely leveled by a tornado along with everything he ever owned and i feel really bad oh, but that wasn't wow. because he broke up with me that was just you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm not saying it was that's what, that's what <laughs> i'm not saying it was <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a nice guy. You know who you are if you're out there. Um, so anyway, we go to this gathering. Um, Hasi and Pixel are autographing copies of his book. And also, um, for any of you, that there were a bunch of these copies, and I have wanted one ever since. And I felt bad about not, you know, not getting one. If you're wondering how a horse can autograph a book, um, they had a big, like a prop comic size stamp pad, and they were inking her horseshoe <laughs> and stamping mm, the wow. That's awesome. <laughs> so if one of y'all has one of those fucking copies, I want one. Send it to me, please. I will pay you. That would be great. All right. <laughs> you so. have to pay a lot for that one. Yeah. yeah. Zoo stories at protonmail.com. Hit me up. <laughs> I want that book. <laughs> Not joking. Yeah, I will send no, you this Bitcoin. Isn't... This is real. Yeah, I will send, send you Bitcoin. Yeah, cryptocurrency. <laughs> I'll send some oats through the mail. All right, so um, so we go to this <laughs> gathering, and it is filled with debauchery. Um, cause like uh, George at this point, he's pretty ill. He he knows he's at the end of his life, and so he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do, I'm gonna die doing what I love, right? And uh, it was after mm -hmm. this that he went on the Springer show. But um, before that happened, he was just like, you know, eating out his horse in front of everybody. It just in wow. mixed company, people would be talking and the horse would be inside the trailer and he'd be like, nom, 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 nom. And then oh, wow. uh, <laughs> I'll never forget it. She farted right in his face. Uh, and he was just like, Ugh, and then just kept going. I was like, whoa, what a trooper. <laughs> Dude was gnarly. Oh, God. Dude was like, yep. Dude was like, yep. 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 It yep. happens. Yeah. Kills it smelled like a brewery. A brewery? <laughs> just a lot of grain getting fermented in there, man. What do you want? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's funny. Uh, so, yeah, uh, there was a lot of horse people. There was a donkey zoo out there, remember? Um, so, yeah, he was cool. Oh, it's Doodle, right? No, <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. Doodle sperm, maybe. <laughs> Before that, even. <laughs> What was his name? Anyway, there was a, there's a lot of guys out there. Um, yeah, there was. If censor these out in post, if you, you know, feel like you I can. will. But yeah, I will. Um, That's that seems familiar. Yeah. Um, I was out there. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, he listens to the show. Let's see. Who hey, else? hey, I can't leave your name in because I don't have your permission. But hi. <laughs> we'll have it on for a later person. episode. He's he's Mr. the guy. WD forty. Yeah, we'll that guy. That. WD forty. There we go. Yeah, he's he's also he was that star from Pet Lust that I mentioned. Oh, yeah, that we hooked up a bunch of times. It was hot. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a hottie. Hey, how you doing, <laughs> WD? I actually, if this is the person I think it is, I think I just met them two days ago. Is it no, from no, no. the? That is that is that is a superhero. It's a different, not a WT four. Oh, no, it's not a superhero. Yeah, Got yeah, it. different one. Yeah, no. Hey, how you doing out there? He listens to the show. So, um, <laughs> it was him. Uh, there's just a bunch of other dudes out there. Who else? Who else? Oh yeah. Um, 
Shit, what's his name? I, I'm trying to remember his U names because we all just used our regular names when we were out there. What? That's crazy. It seems crazy. I don't crazy know anybody here. by their real name. I really? Because I come from Furry. <laughs> no one uses their real name in Furry. So, like, the whole alias thing just makes perfect sense to me. It's like, How oh, yeah. bizarre. Really? Yeah, you don't... no. No, I knew no everyone one... knew everyone's regular names. We all had each other's phone numbers. We we and it was before cell phones were ubiquitous, so we would write them down in address books. Like we would all get oh together on the tailgate of a truck, and like, hey, let's all keep in touch. Because Telnet was so shitty, like we never knew if we were going to be on there. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so fucking cool. Can you imagine? Like, I can't even imagine giving someone my. Like, type your number in my cell phone doesn't even sound like a real thing anymore. Give me your telegram. What's your Twitter? Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, uh-huh. this was before all that. Oh, d- I know. That was the other one. Yeah, he's a hottie too, and also in, in a lot of porns. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's super hot. Anyway, so it was it was us out there. I was the baby out of this group. We meet, and then uh, d- drives me back to Texas, and then I go on about my biz. Right. So then... Right. Um, I hear from on Telnet mm-hmm. and he's like, Hey, Jerry Springer's doing a zoo episode. And I was like, Jerry Springer, the trash TV. He's like, yeah, that one. <laughs> and he's like, he's doing a zoo episode. And, um, these three zoos are going to be on it. And the producer wants to know if you want to be on it too. And I was wow. like, I was like, my dog is really young and I'm in college and I have right. finals so I'm not sure but me so then they forward my number to the production <laughs> assistant for Jerry Springer as he's a really nice guy he's not a zoo so I'll just say his name is Toby or was he's probably dead <laughs> your now. name is Toby is he really that old Oh, I don't know. He probably got hit with a metal chair by a trailer park oh resident or something. God. I don't know. It's a high turnover, probably. But Toby, if you're out there, you're a solid dude. So Toby is doing all the logistics, bless his poor heart, for this zoo episode. And oh. including transporting animal companions to, um, oh. I believe it was Chicago. Yeah. And uh, where they were filming. <laughs> and they also... Can you imagine, like, bringing someone's horse to Chicago. Well, okay, here's where Jerry Springer really impressed Hossie because, okay, this is one Shetland pony, right? Right. Right, and they're going from Missouri to Chicago. So they show up with a horse trailer capable of accommodating, like, 10 thoroughbred like full-size horses <laughs> for one was, horse now that's geez. what's for fucking up luxury. Yes. yeah Girl, and he was like yes. whoa you brought out like the cadillac horse transportation apparently <laughs> and he was really impressed by that oh and the other yeah. thing they did is they they put all of the animals in makeup what? yeah i heard about that so that they couldn't be identified yeah so there wow. was a girl that i knew from uh and i'm sure she's never been seen it i don't know well i know where she is and what she's doing and if you're out there um her old telnet name was and i know she's not using that name anymore um i know where she is and it's been a while hit me up uh zoo stories at pretzonmail.com um i would love to hear from you again but anyway she went on with her german shepherd who they put make on makeup on to make look like a Be- uh, belgian malinois huh. <laughs> wow that's awesome <laughs> and then hasi was there with uh these big blue blocker sunglasses so it looked like he was uh from florida because <laughs> oh, he did because his yellow eyes 
No, I don't know if it was, it was probably, yeah, something like that. Um, but mm. yeah, he was on there with the blue blockers and his big beard and everything. And Pixel was there and they were like mouth kissing on national television. It was glorious. Hell oh, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, it was, oh, it was great. You need to see that episode. Gay zoo Jesus. Oh, dude, the audience <laughs> freaked. Okay. And then the other person that was on there was, he was on there. Um, and so it was like two dog zoos, one, one male, one female and Hasi, and it would have been me as well. And for, I don't know why I decided to take my finals at my no, school, fuck that, dude. but I did that <laughs> and I passed up on free airfare to, they weren't going to pay us anything, but they were going to cover our airfare and feed us, put us up in a hotel and everything. And I mean, also yeah. free animal makeup. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so I skip it, but then I get like the debriefing later from all the zoos that are on there. Cause all three of them were on Telnet and we were all in contact. And so they told me about the whole thing and especially, um, she told me about mm -hmm. the whole experience of getting her dog into makeup and how they had like wigs for everybody if they wanted them whatever that's so good yeah. see this is like you know that is surprisingly thoughtful for the trashiest show mm -hmm. ever aired on television other than the jersey shore oh yeah it was it was really something but yeah then there was no foil so there wasn't like you know they'll they'll bring on like um you know a black panther and a kkk guy and then have them fight is usually their <laughs> right. kind of mo mm -hmm. but uh they didn't have like an anti-zoo on the show so it was right. just three zoos just talking about their life and Jerry Springer being like, you what? And then the audience would be like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> and then I will never forget it. They told um, they're like, hey, would you kiss your dog, but don't make it lurid. And she's like, do you have any idea how a dog kisses house is not supposed to be lurid? <laughs> and so right before a commercial break, they had her dog licking her mouth and stuff. The audience freaked and then they cut a commercial. It's <laughs> oh dude, fucking God. if you're out there at home, you got to get the I Married a Horse episode of Springer. You can find it on Google. It's great. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I kind of dodged a bullet there. It wasn't on that episode in disguise or otherwise, even though Toby really did his best to get me there. I, I pulled out to do my stupid finals and that I dropped out anyway. So whatever. Yeah. So where'd that get you? <laughs> I'm the worst. Anybody out there uh, listening, never bother to do your finals. If you've got something lurid, you could have been yes, doing instead. Skip them and do trash TV is my advice. Oh to my the God. Youth. <laughs> Drop out kids. So, Drop out. No. so then of course, you know, my my uh, about to drop out of, of school years there or months, mm -hmm. yep. I end up going to more zoo gatherings. And these of are course. in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And it is bewildering to me that this level of organization and attendance is possible in the zoo community. I never would have believed it. And it's all zoos. Mm. It's not like a furry con where it's, it's got a core of zoos like every furry con is. <clears throat> furries, right. take note. We yeah. are the fifth column. Just just know we run everything. You know, if <laughs> if you see a furry and he looks employable, that guy's a zoo. <laughs> Sorry to tell you. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, bad news. He looks employable. Yeah, all oh of your guest God. speakers, all your guests of honor, all your celebrity artists, all of your ever, your entertainment. They're, we're all zoo. So, <laughs> you know, maybe pick a different fandom. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so anyway, this is not one of the, this is just zoos. And it is way out of the middle of nowhere. And it is in the biggest house I have ever seen. And you could bleep their names if you want. But this is place when they are still together mm. and 
have somehow managed to put together this enormous zoo gathering and they did it like at least three times that I knew of and I went to two mm. of them. Mm-hmm. And in both occasions, over 80 zoos showed up. Shit, wow. man. 80. Wow. This is a four-story house on... Oh my God! No, d- dozens of acres, and they, you know, they built it themselves. Like they just kept building on to like higher. <laughs> like they didn't have, <laughs> like they didn't have forty acres around them, and they had like you know ten <laughs> dog kennels that were all professionally constructed. You know, it was like all concrete. It was like expensive shit for Oklahoma. Right. And they had stables, they had everything, you know, just anything you'd want for a whole menagerie. And this was not, you know, like a sex farm or whatever the fuck that might be. Um, oh it just, God. but no. there was a lot of capacity for a lot of animals there and, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people too. And so this whole four story house is just packed with zoos, male, female, all different ages. And it's just, it was absolutely astounding. And keep in mind, I was like, I was literally like 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. All right. So I blunder into this and there's <laughs> all these zoos. <laughs> and I brought my boyfriend with me who was not zoo at all, but it was clearly okay with that. You know, we, right. we raised my, um, my dog together at the time from when she was a puppy. And we actually picked her up at one of those Oklahoma zoo gatherings. Oh, wow. <laughs> and wow. this one showed up with a litter of puppies. It's like, Hey, what's a puppy? And oh so, my god! And so that's how I got my maid. Of you know, we got her from when she was eight weeks old and kept her until she like died of old age at like sixteen. Wow! Yeah, it's a long life. Oh, she was great. She lived a great life. Um, but yeah, we picked her up. So okay, zoo gatherings in Oklahoma—they're huge. Eventually, decide like, oh, this is out of hand. It's too big. You know, there's drama, whatever. So they decided to not have these anymore, and then they split up and did their own things. Um. Mm-hmm. I think traveled the world um, and had a million adventures and met everybody. Um, and uh, and then uh, formed a zoo band and has played all of the furry conventions. <laughs> what band would that be? There are multiple zoo bands that have played the furry conventions. I will tell you that. Right. Okay. Well, this is one of the better known ones. And he, play, he would play all of them and that's what he would do. And he's great. So um, I met him. He's one of my favorite zoos, by the way. Uh, he's great. He's great. One of my best friends um, in the zoo community. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. And his his story of coming, I hope to have him on Zoo Stories, actually. Because yes. his story of like coming out to his mom and like being forced into therapy and that whole traumatic yeah. thing and how he still pulled out of it and turned out really okay and helped a lot of zoos is like very inspirational to me. Mm. And I think that would resonate with a lot of people who are going through that coming out thing. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that from what you just said. We have another uh, person who also has the conversion therapy story background as well, who we hope to meet to talk with, because that is a like people don't really understand, first of all, that it's really real. And Mm -hmm. second of all, exactly how traumatic it can be. Like you hear about it and you think, oh, that's awful. But like you don't think of people going through it and having to live with it. Yeah, and you certainly don't think about it with zoos because it's it's gay, and then you think zoos. Well, of course, zoos should be converted or whatever. Um, no, it's horrific. It doesn't actually work either. 
Yeah. Right. And now they, you know, at least it's in the DSM-5. It says, like, dude, unless it's causing you distress, this isn't even a disorder or paraphilia or anything. This is just an orientation. It's not a problem if it's if it's not a problem for you, the zoo. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So that has been a big help. But this was way before then, and he just happened to have gotten a really cool laid-back therapist, and he came out okay. But it will, we'll save his, his story for another time. It's fascinating and I really look forward to having him on the show if he wants to come on. If you're out there, I want to talk to you. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, that was the Oklahoma zoos. And then when I did finally drop out of college, mm-hmm. I was on Telnet and I didn't really know what to do. And I had some really vague notions of like... Um, being an adult novelty manufacturer. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea to compete directly with China, but you know, I was, I <laughs> remind you that, that I was that 20. You're not, the, you're not the only person who apparently thought that among zoos. Yes, exactly. Not to name <laughs> names, but right. And everyone else. We can't, we can't say that on here. Yeah. We'll bleep everything that I've ever said. We it's fine. cannot say that on here. Oh my God. <laughs> bleep we everything. Cannot, There's my battery. Cannot warning. do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doodle's got a battery warning. Oh, no, um, don't Doodle, do it. I want to give you a chance to actually speak here. Yeah. Doodle, is there anything that you wanted to say before you, before your inevitable betrayal of battery? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I really don't know much about zoo history, given that I'm still relatively new to the active community. I mean, I've only been active in the community for eight years, tops. Eight years is not relatively new. Well, Doodle. I mean... I'm, I mean, it kind I should of say, is. I, before you know it, you're a gray muzzle and everyone's like, hey, tell us your story. I mean, doodle. I've been on the community for, yeah, and then you're like, fuck. I've been technically in the community for about eight years, but I didn't really start getting really active until just this past year. Well, yeah, I think, so. I think that's the story for, I was a lurker. That's the way for the it. people in this, sure. in this actual conversation, really. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, everything starts at the beginning, man. So, you know, before you know it, people want to hear your story. Yeah, it's true. Before Doodle leaves, I want to hear about you talking to Maletsky. Yeah, okay. So, before I dropped out, I was still on the tail end of college. You know, this dropping out was was a continuous process. And Mm -hmm. um, one of the zoos was talking about the Maletsky study and said, hey, and it was in the Telnet Talker. Because this is how uh, she kind of reached us, right? A bunch of the zoos that were on there were in California, just because there's a lot of people in California. Right. And uh, they mentioned something about the Maletsky thing. And I said, you know, I wouldn't mind participating in that. I'm fine. You know, I'm fine with that. I'll speak up. I'll add my voice to that. And so he says, okay, well, here's the the number. And so Mm -hmm. I called a phone number. And spoke with wow. Dr. Maletsky, who was very, oh very friendly and accessible. And she said, hey, look, I know this is sensitive, but everything is totally confidential. You know, I'm I'm a psychotherapist. You know, I can't share your information. So if you send me some kind of a mailing address, even if it's like someone else's porch where you could pick up their mail or whatever, and then I'll send you this packet. And it has this questionnaire. It was all... Now, you know, any anything like that would be done electronically, but um, right. this was early days, and so mm-hmm. I just gave her my regular mail address, and she sent that packet to Texas, and it was I was very excited when I received it, I gotta say. <laughs> it, so, tell me about the packet. Is it just the standard fare? 
Uh, if by standard fare, you mean every question about everything in your entire life that you've ever done, what your parents were like, your income wow. level, um, all of your experience sexually with everyone and everything ever. Oh, um, wow. No, it's thorough then. It was, Ooh. dude, it was, it barely fit in the envelope. I'll never forget. <laughs> and then, and then of course you have to send, you have to mail it back out. Right. Right. And, uh, so I filled this out and it had essay sections in it because there's a lot of quotes and I think some of mine are in that book and this, the book, if you haven't read it, you, you should, if you're, if you're zoos or even if you're not, like if you really want a, a broad view of, of who and what we are, um, it's called understanding bestiality and zoophilia by Hani Miletsky. Mm-hmm. And that's M I L E T S K I. Are we allowed to like just link a pdf to that is that legal <laughs> yeah you can, you can get i think an electronic copy of it for uh like 11 oh, well, bucks we can link to that oh, yeah. then or, we'll link to that or if you're like me you can uh, yeah it's not even that much or you can have a first edition uh inscribed copy from dr mlutsky f- yeah. thanking you for your help we'll, with link their to study. It. we'll, link, we'll give you a link uh if you haven't already read this it's basically like the standard like if you're a zoo why haven't you read this yet sort of thing right yeah, and it and it has a lot of quotes from us, like little anecdotes to kind of illustrate our experiences. Um, and I I wrote some of those, and uh, and and it also has our statistics, like how many zoos that responded to this thing are male, how many identify as gay uh, with humans versus animals. And does it have trans stats? Is trans a thing at that point? I'm not sure if it was at that point. This is um, it must have been about 1996 or seven. Oh, wow. That was yeah. before there was a lot of uh, awareness, I guess, in the mainstream about trans people at that yeah. point. Yeah, they had a lot of activism to do, just as we do. Um, mm. But so I, I mail this thing off, and then uh, the next thing you hear about it, it's in a book. It's her dissertation. Wow. Um, yeah, so now it's out there, and, and I have a copy, and it's it's pretty fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> Surreal. <laughs> That's pretty nice that you got a copy. Actually, when I came out to my dad, um, he bought a, a copy of that. Um, oh, cool! I, he, I don't. He paid like two, paid like two hundred bucks for it or something. Whoa! Me so when he was done. Yeah. Why is it yeah, two hundred bucks? Uh, was it first edition signed copy or something? Well, you could uh, buy it directly she, from her. Yeah, um, I think he went through Amazon or something. Jeez. But, uh, no. Yeah, so I don't know, but it, yeah, that, that's that's definitely a thing that you know keeps I think a lot of people from getting a legitimate copy of it. You know, Dude, so if you look her up, I think she'll she will personally sell you a copy of that. And I would wow. I could think of no better use for our money than to support somebody who is so fearlessly advocated mm. for our community. Yes, mm-hmm. and she's not zoo, so you know she's a great ally, obviously. Um, so I did that. Did you talk to her after that? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I did. Yeah, and um, tell me about it. Well, she, I just kind of touched base with her because I wanted another copy of her book, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like, "Oh yeah, I remember you." You know, <laughs> and it was <laughs> it was fucking weird. You know, <laughs> somebody who you haven't talked to in like I don't know, fifteen years, twenty years, <laughs> and suddenly you're just like, "Yeah, I was one of the dudes from your thing," and, and she was like, "Oh yeah, cool. Who should I make it out to?" You know, and I got a. That's when I got my like autographed, inscribed copy of the thing. Cause I'm, you oh, know, wow. I'm getting old and sentimental and weird. No. <laughs> Weirder. Fuck Weirder. that, dude. I would want one, too. Yeah. Dude, me too. Well, you'd write to Honey Maletsky, if you were listening to this, please send me a copy <laughs> to 
Just send it to Fausty and you know, I'll get it. Yeah, she's going to say, <laughs> fuck you, pay me. <laughs> I will pay you in yeah. Bitcoin. Uh, or to the mail. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're following at home, I've been in the process of dropping out of college. And mm-hmm. eventually I succeed. I, I stop going. Congrats. <laughs> well, and, done, well done. And okay. One of the reasons that I thought that I should move to San Francisco and get a job in the adult novelty manufacturer industry is because there is a zoo out there and he's, he's also deceased. So I don't feel bad about sharing his stuff out there. And he was very out at the time too. His name was Rudy Bishop. Mm-hmm. That's his real name. And he had this, um, adult novelty company that he was running out of his garage in San Francisco called Sun Don't Shine Designs. <laughs> I love and that. If you, if you look him up, it's pretty hard. You have to dig pretty deep to find him. And uh, you could find, you know, internet archives of, of his stuff. And uh, a well-known leather fetish company for gay men out there, Mr. S. I know of Mr. Um, S, yep. My husband gets yeah, a lot of stuff still out from there. Mr. S. Oh a yeah! Well, they hood. bought his molds. They bought his molds after he died. Oh wow! Oh. So he made animal dildos, and they were like, they were really bulky, and they were made of vinyl. Vinyl. Yeah. Well, the molds were silicone, but silicone was too expensive to make toys out of. So he would cast vinyl, which is the same stuff that like um, fishing lures are made out of. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I had one of those that he sent me for free and I was building vibrators and we were working on a collaboration to combine them so we could have vibrating animal deck toys. But, cool. you know, that was it was it was another time, man. So <laughs> he sent me one for free and it was called I'll never forget. It was called the Lion Kink. <laughs> like they all had pun names. There was like Mr. Ed. You know, there's the lion. There's the Lion Kink that was like vaguely shaped like a lion dick with the sheath and balls and whatever. It was it was very hefty. Um Oh, but lion dicks aren't very hefty. Well, no, but this was. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me on this. (laughs) It was in there. So um, that one, and then he had one called Rubber Baby Butthole Bumper that was shaped like a fetus for some reason. Oh, my God. That's terrible. And then he had had one that was called um, Das das Plug, kind of like a spoof on Das Boot, like the Mm -hmm. submarine movie where everyone dies in Germany. It's depressing uh, in a submarine. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, he had a whole line of them. If you can find these, um, yeah, if you could find an actual example of the toys, that would be phenomenal. But uh, yeah, Mr. <laughs> S bought the molds. He was selling to them for a while, but then um, he was incarcerated for a probation violation. If you want to look that up, it's a whole sad story. Hmm. And then he ended up taking his life in prison. Mm. Holy really shit. Sad. What the fuck? So, but he's one of the main reasons that I, I was looking at San Francisco when I dropped out. And then that's how I learned of Calzu, mm-hmm. the Northern California zoophile community. And those guys were organized. <laughs> <laughs> so what had happened was there was a semi-retired dominatrix who you could bleep out her name if you want as well but she was really public about um being an advocate for she's a non-zoo ally oh and her name was tanith or is tanith i think she's still out there somewhere and uh she realized that we didn't have a place of her own she just kind of ran into us on um i think a herpetology forum because she collected venomous snakes as a hobby oh wow 
So that was an interesting house to like live in, <laughs> full of cobras and coral snakes and rattlesnakes and all that. It was a whole thing. So that was her hobby. She collected poisonous snakes and just loved all kinds of scaly things and uh, ran into some zoos asking for advice about um, sex with reptiles. Mm-hmm. And if you were wondering, the advice is don't because they, <laughs> they're full of delicate, you know, um, easily damaged structures and mm. also um, tend to poop as soon as anything goes in their vent. And also they are full of bacteria that will super kill you. So don't mm. do it. That was Good her advice. Know. But that's how she discovered our community was on a, a reptile forum. Mm-hmm. And then she realized we didn't have our own community um, to like host gatherings or, you know, meetups or munches or whatever, like they did in the SM community. And she mm-hmm. was a semi retired dominatrix. Right. As well as collecting poisonous snakes. So she decided um, because she had a lot of. Uh, just a lot of energy. She's a really cool lady. Um, or is. I assume she didn't die of old age. Um, she decided that she was going to work really hard and coordinate with uh, local zoos in the San Francisco Bay Area and make a meetup for zoos. Mm. And uh, they called it Cow Zoo. And it was really the name of a forum. But then the forum happened to have these meetings. And the meetings occurred at Tanith's house. Wow. And the reason that I got involved with all this is because I was looking for a place to stay in the San Francisco Bay Area as I attempted to sell vibrators there. (laughs) This is a stupid, stupid plan. I ended up doing many other things besides that because I wanted to actually eat. So so what had happened was Tanith got sick and she posted on a forum that she was just feeling really bad. She had the flu. It It was this whole drawn out thing. And I knew that she had been a chef previously, in addition to being a dominatrix. She's done a lot of stuff. (laughs) And uh, I made a butternut squash soup and froze it and sent it next day air to San Francisco. And she thought it out and ate it, said it was delicious and helped her recover. I I seriously doubt if that's true, but that's what she said. And... um, she had a garage apartment in the back of this this house that she was renting in the East Bay area. And uh, there was another zoo living in there. And he moved out maybe two months after that to a place <laughs> like half a block away. It was weird. And uh, so there was a vacancy there. And she said, hey, you made me a soup. You want to come here? I know adult industry people because I was a dominatrix. I buy a lot of stuff from these places. I can introduce you to some people and if you need a place to stay i got this garage apartment for a hundred bucks a month including utilities a hundred bucks a month what the fuck yeah Yeah. this is in the east bay area near like uh near berkeley and i was like hell yeah dude (laughs) i'm in oh my fucking god (laughs) so i pack up my dog and everything i own in a u-haul and i drive out west you know and it takes like two and a half days to get there from texas and uh i'm sleeping in the back of a u-haul with with my wolf you know my wolf dog um she's you know hybrid whatever and uh we make it out there in one piece and um everything is as described you know i've never met this person in face to face before i showed up with the moving van oh my gosh and uh, unloaded and lived there for two and a half years in the garage apartment behind the Calzoo Meeting House oh, in the wow. East Bay area. Yeah. So then that's how I meet all the Calzoo people, all the Northern California zoos, many of whom were 
primary organizers of the big West Coast um, furry conventions, like the very first ones. Right. Um, and so, you know, they're all just kind of like, don't ask, don't tell. Like, they would just show up and they're like, hey, you know, if, you, if you're here for zoo dinner, because it was a big dinner, like Tanith would cook for everybody and everyone would kind of chip in to like help cover the cost of food because she'd make some pretty fancy food. Mm-hmm. And then um, a bunch of zoos would show up. And the most people I saw show up was like, I don't know, 30 or 40 people at this wow. one little house in the East <laughs> Bay area oh my goodness. that I lived behind with my dog and eventually my goat. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it had a little bit of a yard that was fenced and whatever. So I had a, a goat out there and I had my wolf hybrid dog. And um, yeah, we lived there for two and a half years. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing to me that um, several of the people who have been most involved with the zoo community have not been zoos themselves. You know, this woman, Tanith, that you're talking about, uh, Dr. Maletsky, Kareen Maloney, sure. uh, even uh, mm-hmm. Jerry Springer, you know, in his way. And it's, it's just kind of funny that... Um, and Toby. <laughs> and Toby. <laughs> Didn't mean to leave Toby out. But yeah, Toby, Toby, the production assistant. Hey, shout out to Toby. That's a that's pretty interesting trend, S- you know. Sup, Toby. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that weird. Well, you know, it, it takes a community to, you know, to support any person, regardless of the orientation. So it's really cool that we've had some, some energetic, skillful allies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's also really, really cool to, to kind of hear, you know, even, even me, it's like, I, I had no idea that the foundation of the Calzoo House was a non zoo ally. And sure remembering again that we do have non-zoo allies just like we interviewed mm-hmm. uh, back in November um, they are an essential part of our survival as a community just having those people in our lives makes a, a huge difference sure yeah oh couldn't agree more yeah no she was great she was great she uh, she put in a lot of effort to organize she put in a lot of effort and trust to like have all these zoos show up at her house oh this is something interesting that I had been asked about um, I think privately by I think by Love Cat mm. um, was how we the procedure we had for vetting people. Oh yeah, yeah. Or maybe maybe it was you toggle. I don't remember. It was one of no, you guys. I think it was, it was Love Cat. So I was sent on one of these missions. I guess because I was the new guy. I don't really know. But <laughs> um, and this the person I met was almost certainly a san francisco police detective oh wow he was he looked like a cop from central casting you know he had like the the fireman mustache and he was like this gray-haired guy in a suit he was just like could not have been more obviously a police detective oh my god (laughs) and and apparently we totally passed muster because they're like hey i'm interested in going to these gatherings what happens at them and I said, well, first off, there's absolutely no sex, period. Not with each other, not with animals, zero sex. Every, and that was true. Everyone had their clothes on. Now, what happened after the party in my private garage apartment between consenting adults and their eager, slutty partners? Um, <laughs> Kion. <laughs> um <laughs> Which may or may not have involved a white one-ball German shepherd (laughs) sticking up my butthole for the first and only time that I allowed that to happen. Uh, That happened there with, uh, and Kion can tell you more if he really wants to. (laughs) So... You're vetting so yeah, dude. but but at the gatherings, yeah, no sex, and so the, the detective's like, so you guys, you know, are attracted to animals, and you just talk about it. 
together and have dinner i said yeah that's it and he's like cool that's all i need to know and then he never showed up again <laughs> we never heard from him <laughs> that's amazing it's funny it's yeah. funny how like <laughs> police officers are always unintentionally obvious like i remember i was watching some tv show oh uh, uh, i was super a cop yeah yeah and they were like he was like i'm not a cop i'm a he, he was like posing as some other person and like <laughs> the people around him were like that guy's a cop i am 70 percent sure that guy's a cop <laughs> right <laughs> okay so here's the great here's the punchline to that story one of the zoos that i met at cow zoo dinner mm-hmm. was a cop <laughs> oh. well how about that Oh, and I haven't seen him forever. He was the biggest hunk ever. I think he was totally taken. And I was like, oh, of course the good ones are taken. Uh, he's probably like super fat now and gross and <laughs> retired police. I don't know what his deal is now. Or maybe he's even hotter now somehow. But that dude was smoking hot and a cop <laughs> and a zoo. And we were all just like starstruck by this dude. And he's like, well, you know, I don't have like a real action pack cop. I was like, dude, you got a badge and everything. You're a fucking cop. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh you know the the poser zoo was really a cop and then we had an actual zoo cop in our thing wow so what did you how did you vet people so okay they would send you to meet in person at some kind of neutral well-lit public place that anyone could go to and right. that's the procedure that i use even today if i'm meeting a new zoo i'll go somewhere go. public mm-hmm. right and uh, you could be anyone, and it's not illegal to be attracted to animals. It's just illegal to solicit sex for them, or what, you know, read your local laws. But you know, in in that instance, you know, um, we could gather as we pleased and talk about whatever. It's a First Amendment right. You can congregate and have free speech, mm-hmm. um, and that's what we were doing. And uh, it was, you know, it's San Francisco Bay Area, so they were pretty big on the whole civil rights thing. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> And uh, they didn't give us any trouble. Anyway, so yeah, you'd, you'd meet somebody and they'd, they'd ask about the group and you would ask them what they wanted to know. And, uh, you know, you'd explain, well, you know, it's just a regular dinner, except everyone who's there is probably a zoo. Mm-hmm. And there's no sex any more than there would be at like a church dinner. <laughs> you know, and, and then you just, and then you leave and that's it. And if they seemed like they were still interested, then you'd be like, okay, cool. Here's where the dinner is, you know? Yeah. And if they seem like, oh man, there's no animal sex. I want animal, Then you're just like, ah, fuck you. This is not the group for you. Right. Yep. I mean, that's the kind of community that I wanted, uh, you know, I mean, ever, ever since, uh, you know, my teenage years. And, um, I, I had heard of Calzu, but didn't know anything, um, about about like even what that was exactly um just something about zoos actually meeting in real life you know and it's like that's been a dream of mine um so hearing about that um yeah on, on the one hand it's it's um it's awesome there's a bittersweet quality of it yeah there there is um at the same time um it's also what I've been, you know, living just recently in a in a far less organized form, you know, that because what Steve is talking about um, is the way that my meetings with other zoos have gone too. You know, it's like we, we just mm-hmm. meet up and we we do pretty normal things. You know, we just get mm-hmm. to know just each other. Out. You know, be, hang out. Yeah, just uh, just be just be ourselves with each other. But for zoos, being able to 
just be yourself, especially around another zoo, is is an experience that I don't know how many other people can have that kind of an experience, you know, because um, what we... I don't know how people cannot can go without having that experience. Well, I don't think that you can go without it and be entirely healthy. Um, I mean, I, I don't see how that would, that would be, but... Um, uh, you know, I'm very much looking forward to a world where, um, where what uh, what Steve was describing with Calzu, uh, you know, becomes more widespread amongst zoos. And uh, um, you know, I mean, the the idea of um, not even the idea, but the reality of zoo community um, that that we have, you know, templates in people's experience like this. Uh, I think is incredibly valuable and I'm just profoundly grateful that um, Steve experienced it for himself and that he's here to share that with the rest of us now. You know, I couldn't have said that better myself, Um, (laughs) but just piggybacking on that, uh, one of the things that has really helped me be a healthy, relatively out zoo and just know that this doesn't mean that I'm messed up is meeting several hundred zoos in person realizing that we exist in force and mm-hmm. we are cops we are air traffic controllers we are military we deliver your mail mm-hmm. we are fucking everywhere mm-hmm. and once you realize that you are surrounded you know that you might not know who they are even if you're a zoo Right. But when Mm. you realize you are surrounded with us and we are everywhere, we are, it's, you throw a rock at a furry convention, you will hit a zoo. Yep. Right. And like some of those furry conventions have thousands of people that show up, you know, especially in a big city. And even in small cities, you end up with like, you know, a hundred or more folks that show up. And out of those, you can bet, you know, and there are some furries that, that hate themselves that don't want to admit this and somebody hurt them and I feel bad for them. But, you know the people running these things and the people you know that are being featured in them they're zoos so yeah just know that if you're a zoo you're not the only one man i know it feels like that sometimes when your family is not zoo and they don't get it and you're afraid but as soon as you start taking a little chance and reaching out there and connecting with with your community it does exist and we are everywhere and there are some of us in positions of power that you would just not even believe you know <laughs> and it's then, true that's true yeah yeah and, and you, you go to a party at their place and realize like oh man a rich person is a zoo like <laughs> you know a rich powerful like person a, a self-made millionaire for a little bit there yeah dude yeah we're out there so uh (laughs) thank you so much steve for contributing now obviously we're gonna have you back on to share more stories uh but if you dear zoo listener enjoyed hearing these stories this is actually the format of steve's podcast upcoming zoo stories that's right our first guest is love cat who you've had the pleasure of hearing on previous episodes and as soon as i can get around to making it sound really awesome to do him justice then i will be publishing that on the zoo stories website to be announced all right thank you so much steve and thank you love cat and doodle for coming and joining us as well uh we will be right back with more zooier than now Right after this. Oh, shit. Wow, that was a lot. I feel like I talked a lot.
And now, Zuya Than Thou presents Zoo Poetry Theater. His wife caught him at it, aghast. In the donkey, his penis pumped fast. Said she, You're deranged, replied he. It's not strange. I just needed a nice piece of ass. This has been Zoo Poetry Theater. Welcome back to another titillating episode of Ask Zooey, the show where lovers from all branches of the Tree of Life send in their questions and we attempt to provide our personalized pontifications on pan-species pleasure to all of our listeners. I'm the delicious Dane you can't contain or rain unless you ask really nice, that is, and namesake of the show, Zooey. And I'm your co-host for the evening, Toggle, an amorphous blob of stem cells and conceptual potential that we custom formed on the spot into the world entity you now hear before you. Because we weren't quite sure which co-host would be joining us tonight when the script was written. Thank Dog for made-up science and lazy writing. And medial rings. Uh, shouldn't we thank Horse for those? Oh, don't worry, my dear sweet rat. We'll give him a proper thank you together a little while later on, if you'd like. Always speak in my language, Miss Zooey. As always. We'd like to remind you to send your questions to us via whatever fantastic telecommunication methods your curious minds can conjure up. Now, we cannot guarantee that we can receive, much less respond to, imaginary messages. But boy howdy, you can certainly put your all into trying if you'd really like. My favorite method is telekinetic thought form messenger pigeon. I prefer the abstract concept of smoke signals myself. <laughs> now, if you like. We do provide the option to contact us via our website, zoo.wtf, which has this existing in reality quality that we found through past experience, makes it rather a bit more reliable. Or if you'd like, use your material connections to space-time to contact us via Twitter at AskZooey, Z-O-O-E-Y. Well, without further ado, let's move on to our first letter. Here we have Dobied in Delaware who writes, Dear Zooey, I'm a guy in his late 30s who's recently begun his first cross-species relationship with a beautiful Doberman. Things are pretty great. She's smart, funny, playful, attentive, adorable, and drop-dead sexy. We go everywhere together and have a great time. In short, she's the girl of my dreams. I'd love to take this relationship to the next level, but I'm afraid to make love to my sweet, beautiful lady because she unfortunately was spayed very, very young. This hasn't dampened my love for her in the slightest, but I can't lie about how frustrating it is. She does respond enthusiastically to clitoral stimulation, and it thrills me to give her that pleasure. However, this still leaves me out of the orgasm equation. I've accepted since learning of her spay that sex just isn't possible for us, and I can continue to accept that if it's true. Lately, though, I've begun to wonder about the possibilities of anal intercourse. I've seen it on video and talked to one or two other zoos who've topped non-human partners of both sexes anally. Being a lover of receiving anal sex myself, I know that it can be extremely pleasurable, but I know that it can also be painful and uncomfortable, especially at first. If I were to explore this avenue of intimacy with my girl, how might I go about it in a way that will minimize the chance for accidental discomfort while also respecting her boundaries? Always terribly upsetting to hear about dogs being spayed at all, let alone far too early. Before we get lost in the detrimental effects of a dog's endocrine system caused by early spaying, let's get to the heart of the issue here. 
Indeed. There is good news for you, Dobied. Vaginal sex is absolutely possible with a spade bitch, provided she's interested. There are a couple of qualifications, though. Your canine lover does have to be deep enough after her surgery, and you'd have to be short enough after... Well, after puberty. <laughs> and since that varies from breed to size to breed size, individual to individual, and cock to cock, there are a number of variables that should be in balance for vaginal intercourse to be possible. Remember, the same considerations apply as you take for any intimate partner, whether male, female, human, canine, or whatever. Use lube, go slow, use lube, pay attention to how your partner is feeling, and above all, use lube. Definitely water-based for anything vaginal, though avoid glycerins. Think standard KY, jelly, or its generic counterparts. It's a little messy, but sex is best when it makes a mess, don't you think? More importantly, it won't upset any local beneficial bacterial flora in her delicate areas. Incidentally, while you generally need to be careful about using water-based lubes for anal, KY jelly is thick enough for backdoor cavorting. We have some wonderful advice on Season 1, Episode 5, about canine anal play. Many spade bitches do enjoy receptive vaginal and anal sex well into their twilight years. And spaying doesn't affect sexual enjoyment, as you can tell from indulging your Doberman with clitoral stimulus. Remember, communication with your partner is always key, and her comfort, enjoyment, and consent are always your baseline rules of engagement. With lube, patience, lube, communication, love, and lube, you can enjoy healthy, happy, and zooey intercourse with your special woman. Safe, consensual, and mutually enjoyable are definitely the key words. As always, <laughs> thanks for your questions, Dobeat of Delaware. We look forward to hearing about your steamy love in the future. Next up, we have a letter from Unknotted in Utah. Unknotted writes, Dear Zooey, my stud dog and I have had a wonderful, intimate relationship going for several months now. Our tongues are all over each other when it comes time to fool around, and my guy absolutely loves it when I offer him a hand and we play a spirited game of reverse tug-of-war. Well, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it myself. However, lately I've grown increasingly self-conscious over the fact that he has yet to show any interest in mounting me, despite how over-eager my guy can often get with trying to mount other dogs while at the local park. He seems to love our time together, but anytime I try to go for a good mounting myself, he only gives me a half-hearted hip hug before giving up and asking for an old-fashioned hand job. Is he just not interested in having real sex with me because I'm not a dog? Or am I missing something? I don't want to keep pressuring him into something if he's not interested, but I don't want to give up on the possibility of being tied by my stud if it's something I can do differently to get him in the mood like the dogs at the park. Oh, now there's a good question. Canine Behavior Zoo 01 First things first. There are multiple things that could be the issue unknotted. The fact that he's mounting in the first place suggests that it's not likely a lack of interest. There's a lot of stimulation during coital flirting, and your amorous pooch may just get a bit distracted bouncing from one thing to another. You also may not be at a comfortable angle for your doggy lover to get a proper mount. When you're on all fours begging to be mounted, your rump should ideally be raised slightly behind your knees. The general rule is that the further back behind your knees, the deeper your pooch can plow, while leaning forward will lessen the depth. So if you're sitting up too high or too far forward, your paramour pooch may have problems getting purchased to pounce. Understanding canine foreplay can also be useful, 
One thing that's not talked about nearly enough is the importance of wrestling and roughhousing when it comes to canine foreplay. Ah, yes. Nothing like a rousing row to arouse your rover. Understand as well that male canines will often court females by switching through three activities. Sniffing and slurping the bitch's vulva, licking the side of her mouth, and sniffing and licking the inside of her ear, alternating until the bitch lowers her head and allows him to mount. So if it seems like your pooch is bouncing back and forth from front to back, it's a perfectly normal part of canine foreplay. As a male, you may have noticed the fervent slurping of your hindquarters and the insistent mouth kisses. You can enhance your game by incorporating these techniques yourself. That goes for whether your lover is a dog or bitch, folks. So, take notes. Another word on canine intimacy. Bitches will often place their paws on their partner's shoulders to get them to mount. Again, part of the roughhousing play to get their partner in the mood. Play with this during your foreplay wrestling. Canines will also show love and caring by pressing neck to neck or cheek <laughs> to cheek. I've always thought of it as hugging. When my Joey does it to me, it feels just like being hugged. If you're being intimate and wanted to initiate sexual play, these moments are a great time to pay attention to your partner's ears, giving them sniffs and licks while you're close together, while dragging kisses over the sides of their mouth. And seriously, if you don't already do this with your four-legged partners, when they hug you like this, it's wonderful, even in a platonic sense. Dog hugs are special and wonderful. That they are. Ask your doctor about dog hugs today. Side effects include feelings of love and warmth. <laughs> and finally, to unknot your naughty troubles, unknotted, if your dog likes hand jobs, you can always lend him a helping hand when he mounts. This may be the transition he's missing to get from point hand job to point plow town. I recommend reaching from under if you're in mounting position or having a friend help. You can also start in a comfortable position and then guide him to mount. Now all this said, there is a possibility your male need doesn't want to mount, and that's okay. Just like two-leggers don't always like blowjobs or don't enjoy topping, four-leggers are just as varied in their desires, and you have to respect the dynamic of your relationship. Truth be told though, I nodded, it sounds like your canine lover is interested, so hopefully these tips enhance your foreplay and your love life. May your foreplay be passionate and your ties be long. And that's our show, dear listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in. We look forward to answering all your zooey relationship questions next episode. Keep those submissions coming. We'll see you next time on Ask Zooey. Same zoo time, same zoo channel. Thanks, friends, for listening to Zooier Than Thou. I'm back from my vacation just in time for the ending. And I want to say thank you to all of the hardworking volunteers who helped put this episode together while Fausti and I were unavailable. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for next episode, where we will be talking about Fausti's Enduring Legacy and having an interview with Appaloosa. We listened to it in the car, and it was awesome. Don't miss it. <laughs> you can subscribe to the podcast via our RSS feed. Just point your favorite podcast client at rss.zoo.wtf, and off you go! You can find us anywhere fine podcasts are distributed. You know, YouTube, Alexa, or even in the apple of your eye. Our podcast website is still zoo.wtf, which I still don't have a joke to put here, unfortunately. Don't laugh. <laughs> Twitter at zooier than thou, and you can follow Zooey's naughty advice at askzooey. Follow me, Lovecat, at a cat who loves you, and Toggle at one big grumpy rat. 
A reminder that we have a form that enables anonymous submissions to the podcast on our website, zoo.wtf. You can write in about your first time with a canine or mythical being, ask Zooey about the consistency of dog semen, or inform us about which circle of hell you'll be meeting us in. Fausty is not taking any calls right now. Please leave a message after the howl. Zoos need love too. Spread the love. Give Zooey the now to a zoo you love today. All non-humans who contributed to this podcast are registered residents of the Enchanted Forest, and we have received the official unicorn wink of approval. In the ancient Greek bestiary known as the Physiologus, unicorns are attracted to virgin humans. Just like all things you love, unicorns. Certified Zooey. A reminder to donate to our Help Save My Dot Dog campaign. We've still got a long way to go. Even if you've contributed before, please consider contributing again. Help Jason's dog Lucy walk again. We can do it. We have an opportunity to better the life of an animal, fellow zoos. It's in our nature. Let's put it to work. Kindness, friends. It's always the right decision. I'm Lovecat, and I approve of all the psychotropic drugs that fueled this episode. (laughs) And this is Toggle, the one, the only, the original. And you've almost finished listening to Zooier Than Thou. Stay defiant, fellow zoos. We'll see you next time you feel like howling at the moon. Ha, 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 ha.